and welcome to Recruiting in Hospitality from Caterer.com. I'm Lance Lockner Ryan, and in each programme, we invite top names from the world of hospitality to discuss matters affecting employers. We talk recruitment, development, retention, as well as other matters affecting you and your teams. Now, in this edition of the programme, we'll be looking back at some of the fantastic conversations we've had over this past year. We'll also be catching up with Sally Beck from the Royal Lancaster in London to find out about her year and her predictions for next. We'll also be catching up with John Dawson from the Law Hotel Group. So please stay tuned for that. Let's begin by going back to the summer. I spoke to Katrina Pengeli, the nerdy hotelier. She's also a springboard ambassador. I asked Katrina how she got involved with the ambassador program and why it's so important to the industry. How did you get involved with Springboard? Yeah, excellent question. Um, so actually, while I was um, right after I moved here, when I was at GP Associates, um, I was working with um, a lovely girl who used to work with the Savoy. Um, and I was telling her that I wanted to be more involved with the industry. I had, you know, I had always tried to be involved and I and I always wanted to be more involved with the industry. And she had let me know that she had actually done a trek uh, while she was at the Savoy with Springboard um, to raise money for the charity. And I said, oh, like, that's amazing. I don't know if I could go out on like a whole month trek but you know do they do other types of opportunities and she said oh my gosh yes you can do so many different volunteering you can become an ambassador and I said "Ooh, an ambassador what's that tell me more about it um, and that's really you know within weeks of her telling me about it and introducing me to someone at springboard um, I knew that I wanted to be involved and so I did training to become part of their uh, ambassador program uh, which was in the spring of 2019 when I did my training Fantastic. Fabulous. Oh, it's it's great that you, you know, met the right people and got connected. That's, Absolutely. That, that's, honestly, that's 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 great that you that, that that happened. So what as a springboard ambassador, how does how does it work? How does it work? Tell us about your role as an ambassador. How does that help other people in the industry? Yeah, of course. Well, me specifically, I've done quite a few different things at a springboard ambassador. And honestly, I was a little worried at first because when I was doing my training, everyone else that was doing the training with me was from HR teams or talent acquisition teams. And, you know, their main focus was to become an ambassador of springboard to promote uh, working in the hospitality industry, but also to share with these students and future potential industry folk um, the opportunities that they had at their um, at their hotels. Um, and I was in a very small team when I was at GP Associates, and we didn't really have very many opportunities to offer. So I was actually a bit nervous that I wouldn't be able to properly, you know, promote the industry and the and the opportunities that I had available. Um, so instead, I tried to find different spaces that I could just support with uh, Springboard. Um, I'm really loud, as, as you can probably tell. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, I have been told by a very fantastic industry colleague that I'm not loud, I'm vivacious. Uh, and so because I'm I am stealing so, that. I'm yeah. stealing that. I'm not loud. I'm vivacious. And because I am so vivacious, uh, I was able to really, you know, find uh, ways to support through the events that Springboard does. Of course, not during the pandemic, as these in-person events um, haven't been on. But pre-pandemic, you know, with the Springboard Christmas carols, I was selling raffle tickets. Come one, come all. Now that I have your attention, buy my raffle tickets, please. Uh, you know, and then as well, you know, the pantomime that they did every year, I supported with setup and makeup and getting everything going. 
going, um, as well as events like the London Hospitality Festival, where they ran games and different events on and stuff like that. Um, so being a really loud Canadian, it really, really helped kind of support um, somewhere that they didn't really have support for from the ambassadors. They had a few volunteers here and there, but most of their support actually came from their internal teams volunteering their time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're always big supporters of the uh, Christmas panto. Yes, exactly. I am. I have told so many people how badly I want to be in the next panto. Um, so it better happen. <laughs> You've got to be a shoe in for that. I'm like, I want to be on that stage talking nonsense so much. So one day I will hopefully uh, be on the panto whenever it kicks back up. Um, but, you know, in the, in during the pandemic as well, they had other opportunities, which I was really excited to learn about because obviously I wasn't able to support in the way that I had been before. Um, and so they actually uh, launched the Digital Hospitality Academy during the pandemic, which the main focus was to provide assistance for those that have been made redundant or were struggling to get back into work in hospitality during the pandemic. Um, they had multiple different things that the digital hospitality did um, from different trainings to introductions with companies. Um, but I was able to get involved um, by doing some guest speaking events on personal branding, highlighting yourself on online, how to leverage yourself and get past that black and white of your CV and, you know, really how to showcase yourself while you're up against hundreds of other applicants. Um, and I also um, supported on CV critiquing as well as uh, mock interviews to help people prepare uh, for those tough questions that they would be dealing with during the pandemic. So lots of things. <laughs> well, that, that's 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 incredible work. It really is. And you've touched on it right there. But what I was going to ask you is why you think it's important to have ambassadors. You've touched on it there. Can mm. you go into a bit more details? Because, you know, given the difficult climate, uh for businesses at the moment i mean it's 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 industry wide yeah why is it so important to have ambassadors yeah and you know i think regardless of the difficulties that the industry is facing right now i'm not trying to say they're not important but regardless we should always have hospitality ambassadors you know this is an amazing industry and you know for some reason whatever the reasons are we have always struggled with staff retention even before the pandemic you know i feel that a lot of younger professionals they see the hard work they see the long hours the weekend nights that we've all done but they end up leaving the industry before they even have a chance to imagine their future and the career that they can build because no one's shown them that future opportunity you know they they do see these gms and they see these sales managers and these restaurant owners but you know has anyone really stopped and said you know you know 10 years ago 20 years ago I was you, I was doing this job, I was doing, you know, the, the hard work, I was doing the long hours in the kitchen, I was waiting tables, I was working front desk, you know, um, and, and tell people that, you know, they always say, oh, you have a really cool job, but I didn't just appear here, I didn't just start here. And I think that that's really what the industry is missing is helping the younger professionals and the people entering the industry bridge that mental gap between I'm a waitress and this is my future potential of working in this industry. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything. There's definitely hard work, long hours and weekend shifts involved, but they don't last forever. Um, and I think we need more people out there sharing their stories and saying, you know, this is the role I was doing and here is the potential futures that you could have in the industry. And, you know, we are in a difficult time right now. It is important more so than ever to inspire those that are in the industry. 
But I also think that we will struggle to continue to grow and develop this industry without supporting and reaching out to that up and coming generation. Um, you know, as you were talking about at the very beginning with the future chef program, you know, like some of those future chefs are really young when they enter this competition. And, you know, it really gives them the opportunity to learn about their future potential and the future careers that they could have through a competition like that. And, you know, I think that there's so much potential for us to to reach out to students, not, you know, university students or kids that are already doing their A-levels. You know, what about those kids that haven't just started deciding what they're going to do, mm. you know, and then really showcasing that, yes, it's hard work when you first start, but the opportunities are endless. We began the year by speaking to Sally Beck, General Manager of the Royal Lancaster Hotel in London. She's also the founder of the Hoteliers Charter. I asked Sally about the origins of the charter and how it helps the industry. The Hoteliers Charter, where did the idea from that of, for that spring from? Um, it, 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 it was sort of a, the result of a bit of a rant, actually. Um, the, my eldest daughter was about 15 um, and she was she's it was in a comprehensive in Oxfordshire and she wanted to come and do work experience at our hotel and um, so you know we'd set up like you know five days to do I don't know a bit of food and beverage a bit of pastry because everyone loves pastry um the housekeeping you know whatever so we've got five days lined up and she was coming with a girlfriend of hers also 15 but the girlfriend's mother the week before stopped stopped her girl her daughter coming and she said why would my daughter why would i want my daughter to be a servant and i thought wow jesus and and you know how far do we have to go in our industry and and i had been um given or probably the highlight of my career the um you know hotelier of the year award and i had to do my acceptance speech and, and I was looking at the, the Hotel of the Year Award had been going for 36 years. And, and I thought in that 36 years, we still haven't moved forward in how we're perceived as an industry. And so my acceptance speech became a bit of a rant where I was saying, you know, this, this, this mother, this 40 odd year old lady in Buckinghamshire has this opinion of our industry. And, and, and I felt we just needed to do more, um, you know, and, 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 and do better. And I feel that hotels generally do it better um, and, and, and that hotels need a voice to say we're best in class within hospitality for careers and not just jobs. Um, and that we, yeah, we should just shout about it. And, and people came to me and said, oh my God, sir, it's a great idea. Let's do it. And, and I'm an active member of the West London Hotel Association. And the day after I'd got my award, we happened to have one of our meetings. And we said, we, we need a charter. We need a bloody charter. And it's like, oh, my God, we do. We need a charter. And, and that was it. And, and we, 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 I then reached out to Kate Nichols and I reached out to Mark, Mark Lewis um, from um, Hospitality Action and, and, and a few people. And, and we just said, Let, let's, let's put 10 commitments down and, and let's, let's see what we can do with it. I was recently lucky enough to catch up with Sally. I asked her about the lessons she's learned over this past year and her predictions for coming trends in 2023. Thank you so much for joining me again today. It's lovely to see you. You too, you too, Lance. Um, 
let me let me begin by asking you at the beginning. Let's go back. Come back with me, if you will, back to the beginning of the year. Um, it was still a sort of climate of rebuilding, um, but hospitality was doing its best to march on. Um, did you and your teams um, have to employ new techniques? What was the climate like to engage uh, candidates at that time? Well, back at the beginning of the year, um, the climate to engage team members was it was really important. Um, uh, you know, employment was hard um, and there's sort of. Uh, I mean, when you, we'd come out of a very massive uh, event season, October, November for us was huge. And we had actually been able to deliver on our staffing requirements then, which was great. Um, a lot of it, I think, was because we, um, we'd kept a relationship with our casuals all the way through the pandemic. Um, so there was a good high level of trust there. Um, how did how did you do that? What 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 was the well we 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 put, our, we put our casuals onto furlough for as long as we could. Um, I told them all along I can't I can't keep you forever, but hell you know save your money, do what you can. Uh, we kept in touch with them, um, and then when we started to reopen, um, uh, we engaged with them as soon as we could. So we kept we kept the communication loop all the time. Um, and with our full-time casuals, we, we move them around different divisions. So I'd got um, event staff working as security. I'd got event staff working in food and beverage. Um, so we were quite creative in how we kept people engaged. Um, we opened up early. And so when we had 2%, 5%, 7%, 15% occupancies, and I was able to bring people back, that was on the full-time lot. And, and that was quite good for their mental health. Um, and so when actually the events opened up again, we were in quite a good place, probably better than most in London. Um, we also have a really good relationship with um, our agencies and our um, uh, uh, outside catering, um, our catering suppliers. And if you're, if you're creative and you think well, you can make sure you can staff well. There's, there's a bank of staff out there how important is that to be to be creative, especially when things are so different? I think it's really important. I think having an ability to think in the middle of a crisis is really good. Um, and that's that's not easy. Um, but, you know, college students, you know, they, they need work um, and, and they want to work outside and around their college hours. Um, so, you know, we 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 reached out to colleges across the UK. Um, we had bedrooms. We were able to give them accommodation and get them to do work experience uh, or come and work from universities and and and, and good money. Um, as our occupancy filled up, we weren't able to give accommodation. So then we worked with a local hostel nearby, uh, and I was able to give accommodation then. So a combination of that, getting in, you know, young students that had not been able to have work experience over the pandemic, that were dead keen to have work experience, came to work with us. Good relationships with our past casuals and agencies was good. Uh, and then having a, a good working environment. All of that combines to make sure that you're going to get people in when you need them. 
Were there any hiccups along the way? Did, were, were there um, lessons that were learned that weren't expected for, by your recruitment teams and you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> always. I mean, <laughs> you're on the job training in the morning, really tight. You cannot assume that what you got yesterday is what you're going to get today. So the, the existing team had to do a lot more. Productivity uh, to some degree was poor. Um, so you might need more bodies to fulfill what you used to do because they're not they're not on it. Um, and so that that's quite important. Um, so, yeah, there were definitely learnings along the way. So you had to you had to push to make yeah. those things so to balance those things out. Yeah, our HR team had to run mini inductions a lot more frequently than they normally would um, because you needed to get people in, instill the values, instill the health and safety, make sure they knew what they were meant to do before they start very regularly. So, yeah, so a lot of the support teams were put under a lot of pressure. Um, but I'm really proud we we delivered um, and continue to um, through all of those things that we've been learning. You know, I mean, we, we, we made people redundant as everybody else did during the pandemic. And it's only when you get busy again, you realise the holes those people have left. You know, you may have made a role redundant. But that person who may have been in that role for years did a lot of other things other than that role. And it never really becomes quite apparent until you're back at the levels. You think, oh, my God, yeah, he used to do that. OK, yeah. we haven't got that covered. So so there's that it's continual communication. And, and also you need to praise everyone up because everyone's under the cosh. And you've got to make sure that you're grateful, thankful, um, appreciative of the teams. This is what I want to talk to you. You touched on it earlier as well. Your well-being yeah. programmes at the Royal Lancaster, had they, did they have to expand? Did you have to sort of augment them, if you will, during the course of the year? I think, you know, when you talk about wellbeing programmes, I think sometimes we get ourselves all caught up into process of wellbeing and, and all the things that we should and could be doing. We need to remember hospitality is all about people and people like to be heard. And they like to be in a kind environment. You know, um, I think, you know, now I look at my, I've got two daughters and, and I look at, you know, <laughs> loads of young people, you know, they've got no attention spans at the moment. You know, it's a 10 second TikTok or it's a 30 second this or it's a like, it's a this, it's a that. They're not used to having people listen to them, to actually spend time with them, to hear them, thank them, appreciate them. And, and when they get that and they think, wow, that's 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 good for their soul. And if it, it's not really a well-being program, it's just a way of being. And if we are kind and we give people time and we're appreciative, I've got 42 different nationalities working in our hotel. That's a hell of a lot of different cultures. Everybody needs to be giving and understanding and thoughtful. And if you can get that, you, you get a lot back because they're not used to it. And so for just being kind, thoughtful, considerate, you're still demanding. We still got to get the job done, but doing it in a let's get it all done together. How was that for you? What did you learn today? OK, how can I make that better for you tomorrow? You know, those sorts of questions across the whole business make you have a happy team that want to come back. We've got 26 full time room attendants. I'm not sure many people in London have got that. Yeah, yeah. 
And you march on. And you march on and, and, and you march on. And I mean, like today, 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 our entire system has failed. We're on manual. We're full tonight. We, we, we were 90 odd last night. We're full tonight. And all I've been doing all day is running around saying, OK, are we OK? Are we OK? This is good. We're going back to manuals, back to the dark ages. This is good. We can deal with this. And, and it's understanding. Meanwhile, I'm nailing the IT people thinking, what? But, mm. you know, we'll get there. Um, but it's understanding. It's being kind, appreciative, understanding, listening, thinking, trying to be creative. Um, yeah. And then everyone gets behind everybody else. And then there's this whole positive thing and you keep moving. Fabulous. I mean, and that's advice for all walks of life, I think. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We sometimes overcomplicate it with people. We're in hospitality. True. It should be fun. It should be simple. We we don't need technology to be kind. We don't need processes and procedures. We just need to remember who we are. Bearing in mind everything you've gone through this year, the, the, the lessons you've learned, everything you've told me, what trends do you see emerging for 2023 and what do you think recruiters should be looking out for? Trends for 2023. I think this, you know, business is back. OK, we're in a current um, cost of living crisis that happens. We're, we're acutely in the UK. Apparently our, apparently our um, utilities are the highest across the world. So it's acute. Um, we need to understand that. Um, but the business is strong. So Middle East are back, UK, so Europeans are back, um, Americans are back. So we're going to stay buoyant. So we've got to look about ways of marrying that with our teams um, and, and understanding what this cost of Christ, living crisis is going to do to our teams. I mean, I just had a word with our chef this morning. Let's make sure we've got plenty of food uh, in the canteens for team members that aren't at work that are on their days off, that can come in and get a couple of hot meals during the day. Mm. Um, let's expand what we do well and make sure that we can help people. Um, I think that's a practical way of, of just being a good employer. So there's there's tensions that are going on now for our workforce that as employers need to understand, do what we can with pay, um, you know, uh, but yeah, so so trends, I think this well-being at work is really important. Um, uh, going back to the cultural piece that we've talked about, um, I think apprenticeships are massive. I think, you know, uh, we've just started seven now on level threes. We've got three coming on for level fives. Um, but this gives people a chance to earn while they learn. Um, and I think that's quite important too. And I know that for us, we've done apprenticeships in our hotel for a long time. That really does help um, people stay longer um, because they're invested in. Um, we're just revamping our graduate programs so that we can get more young people in and, and, and do that well as well and, and recruit for the future. Um, we're trying to sort out our visa status so that we can help um, some of those really hard to employ roles um which is challenging um but we'll do it um and i think just it's it's going to stay hard until we've managed to change the perception of hospitality as a vibrant industry uh with great careers and we've changed the perceptions of parents 
and careers advisors in schools and colleges, until we've done that, we're going to have this lag. And so we need to talk about the good stories. We need to talk about the fact that uh, every day is different and it's joyful being an industry that gives joy. It's great. I mean, who else can do that? And we and we mix with everybody. Um, you know, entertainment stars, football stars, presidents, you know, everybody, you know, and it's it's interesting. So I think we need to change the narrative on hospitality and stop talking about long hours and poor pay because that is gone. Uh, yeah, you know, no one expects 12 hour days anymore. Um, it's not expected. Um, it's done occasionally, but it's not rotated in. You know, so we need to just change the narrative and talk about the good news is the good news is out there. Sally, as always, it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you and I hope later on in uh, next year we, we can catch up again at some point. Yeah, I'd love to. Lovely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Lance. Also this year, I spoke to Chris Hall from the Burnt Chef Project, which aims to help and support people with mental health issues in the hospitality industry. I asked Chris how he feels the industry can better promote itself as a place for great careers. In it terms is. of in terms of actual attraction and recruitment, how can the industry say to the world, you know, this isn't just a job for the summer. There are great careers to to be had here. How can using what you've learned again through through burnt chef how can the industry stand up and 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 make the the hospitality industry an attractive place to come and spend you know 25 years of your life yeah well there's no magic pill for this um i mean there is great work already being done by the likes of kate at uk hospitality who i know you know they're focusing uh on sort of grassroots level which I feel is really important and the likes of Springboard who have got initiatives in place to be able to train up apprentices for this, you know, between the ages, I think of um, 16 and 24. Yeah. Off the top of my head, you know, these are fantastic initiatives. And I think that we need, there's so much negativity around hospitality since COVID, you know, with reports of abuse and long hours and all these other things that are coming out that I think we need to, take all of that on board. I'm not saying that we should ignore any of that, but we should also be focusing on the positives, on the fact that it is a sociable, diverse, dynamic industry where you can be as creative and inclusive as you want to be and start actually looking at how we promote that through not just a catering college level, but also down to, to, to school level. Mm. Because for most of us, if you went to a careers advisor when we were at school and said, I want to be a chef or I want to be in hospitality they'd be like that's not a career you know you should be an accountant or a doctor oh, God, yeah. um, and we need to start changing that that narrative and go well actually yeah you, you you should be you know a chef because you will get to potentially travel the world or start your own business or meet you know friends that you'll have for life you know it, because it is a, a an industry where you can express yourself and put your creativity and all your passion into something that other people can enjoy and you can see the benefit from that's what we need to start doing but that's very much a, a long-term long-term plan you know that's not going to be something that we can change overnight i think short term 
you know, there are a lot of organizations, some of our stakeholders, people like Malmaison, for example, are working really hard in order to be able to put in place more benefits, more perks for, for staff, you know, retention bonuses in some businesses, looking at you know, paid sickness, you know, extra days off so that you can achieve admin tasks, um, you know, gym memberships, all of these additional perks and benefits that make up part of a, an overall package that actually say to people, yeah, do you know what? You won't find this anywhere else. Come and work for us. And I think that's a really, really key point. And that's part of part of the picture. So, you know, that perhaps that's something to look at. But I think the case is, is as I said to a mate of mine who's starting up a business, a, a restaurant, actually, I said, what is it that you want from your hospitality job that will make it perfect? What things will make it perfect? And I think once people can start thinking of that, throw off the shackles of, well, that's just the way things are, and that's the way things have always been, and start thinking about what your ideal working week would look at, what sort of things, you know, does it mean you get contacted out of hours or when you're not on shift? Does it mean that you're working 36 or 40 hours a week? Does it mean that you get a thank you when you come in through the door? You know, and these are things that may seem small to some people, but if you advertise those and you build this culture, then you don't have to spend so much time and money on, on marketing and resourcing and finding people because the people within your organization are the ones who are doing re recruiting for you and it comes for free. John Dawson is having a great career. He's currently with the Law Hotel Group and he was recently named most influential person in hospitality in the UK. I was so pleased to be able to catch up with him. I asked John about the many things that he had to deal with this past year and what he feels is coming up for all of us in 2023. John Dawson, thank you so much for joining me. Absolute pleasure. Great to see you, Lance. Thank you Brilliant. so much for inviting me. <clears throat> it's a pleasure. I mean, it's I've been waiting for ages to have you on, and it's great to have you before the end of the year. John, let me let me start by asking you. It's um it's been a funny old year in one way or another. Um what, has, Lance, definitely <laughs> at the beginning of 2022, there was still a a huge element of uh sort of regrowth trying to everyone's trying to find their feet again um what was the climate like for you at the law group at that time it, it seems such a long time ago if you actually think back to sort of you know this time last year and, and certainly for us at law group at the start of the year you know the start of the year we actually opened a hotel you know 100 shoreditch was um our, our sixth hotel within the group and at the time bear in mind we got the backdrop of, of omicron um going on the, the unpredictability around what 2022 is going to look like was just so unknown at the time and and for us what was going on at that particular time and, and me me personally and, and the team in, in london was thinking about opening a hotel with this new variant of covid the could we open it are we going to close it um how many people do we hire what's that going to look like are the guests going to come so it was such a such a such a unpredictable Q1. And we even actually didn't do budgets in Q1. We were doing rolling forecasts and didn't do budgets until May because we still didn't know what the rest of the year was shaping up like. So a very, very interesting start to the year. Let's put it that way. So unpredictable. <clears throat> How did you go about 
recruiting? I mean, was it how? I mean, you say you didn't do budgets until May. I mean, was it touch and feel? How? I mean, how did it? How did it work to 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 cast this this new show that you've got? It's a big. It was a big deal. It still is. Yeah, it's, you know, for, for, for certainly for all of our hotels, you know, in, in the US and Amsterdam and, and London, we sort of use a rolling forecast model looking sort of like two to three months out of the business coming on the books. You know, what's the potential, you know, food and beverage, you know, potential pent up demand that could come to the hotels over the summer. And we're kind of planning and, and, and hoping that, you know, that, that with the vaccines and, you know, um, the Omicron would, would would sort of die down very quickly. And over the last sort of two years of the global pandemic that that pent-up demand would come very very quickly back to the hotels and and you know touch wood for us and you know many many people within the industry i think that's what people have seen over the summer as in they've seen you know occupancies being really high people you know rates going up um in regards to occupancy room rates big demand for food and beverage and all of that two years of people being you know locked away coming back um and obviously you know we, we had a great summer as well there's some days in summer when you know remember hot i think it was our hottest day in the year we had as well so that that you know yeah. that fueled the demand for outdoor dining so when you kind of look at the first six months it was like a, it was like a bit bit like a football game right a tale of two halves you know we started off you know not so great in the first half when thinking but then you know we came out of the traps in the second half you know, and, and I think that was that was a, a you know, a, quite a generalization between hospitality and we launched 100. Um, you know, it, it really kind of took off, you know, especially with the rooftop bar always helps. Right. Yeah, yeah always. always. <laughs> um, and, you know, as in, we were kind of off and running to the races. But from a recruitment perspective, the, you know, the, the markets that we all operate in have become, you know, even more challenging, you know, because of that sort of double whammy of that quick jump of demand. And also the, uh, you know, the, the sort of, you know, the, I hate the war for talent word, but the, the war for talent, you know, it, it, it's, it's hotter than ever, especially in the UK at the moment. So what um, did you do? I mean, what, what what did you have to do in order to get, I mean, was it easy to get um, team members in, to, to new candidates? What did you have to do? For, for, for 100 shortage, we, we, we got quite a, we got quite a very clever recruitment strategy um, there and we started it believe it or not, way, way, way back in September and October with some like video contents that was dripped in, introducing sort of the senior team members and the people who are going to be working there. So we had a lot of traction before that. So that really helped us um, when we came to January to actually, we, we actually opened that hotel, believe it or not, um, with all of the positions actually filled. And we, we took quite a few risks, to be honest. You know, we, we had to take risks because what do you do is you go quite conservative and uh, you know, you, you say, oh, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. But, you know, if you, you know me, you know, I like to push boundaries and take risks. And then, and, you know, and, and we, we did. We overhired and, and, and you know, we're glad that we probably did because we'd have been even further behind, you know, when that's that sort of like that sort of like crunch came when the, the business came back. So, you know, I, I'm very, very fortunate. I've got a great head of talent who, you know, Simon Tetley um, as well. And he's got a great sort of recruitment team um, in London. Um, we started off with two. Uh, we now have three people in recruitment for two hotels in London because it, it's still hard. There's, there's no getting a ways around it. But, you know, just just that, that speed to market using all the tools and tech around you that you possibly can to 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 get the the, the right type of calibre in um, and also push push more as well. Working with the, the, the UK schools and colleges, you know, as in for, for those those hotels, that's what we had to do. Uh, we're very, very lucky. For, how did that work for you? I mean, did you have to sort of um, 
did you see a change in candidates from the previous years? Yeah. Has has yeah. the has the mindset changed? Listen, I I think I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm 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 not on my own saying this. You know, I think it's quite quite well known within the hospitality industry. You know, especially I'll talk about the UK, but especially for the UK, is that that sort of that sort of hangover of COVID, Brexit, you know, the talent pool that's available. Um, because, you know, I know Kate Nichols is doing some amazing work with UK hospitality to try and lobby government so to get certain visas, which, you know, is, is not happening by the looks of it, unfortunately, anytime soon. So with all that amazing talent that we used to have, you know, in the UK that went back home to Europe um, in COVID, coupled with a Brexit effect, that's meant that that, that, that that sort of labour pool is so tight at the moment. And what that's meant is that um, we're actually, you know, diversifying into different markets um, that maybe we've not done before in hospitality and had to focus a lot more on training and development, you know, and upskilling um, a lot more. That's been that's been one of my key learnings this year is that that level of investment that, that not just the UK, but all of our hotels in the US and in Europe as well have had to really work hard. And we have quite a quite an ambitious learning development strategy at Law Group for next year to invest even more in that because we see the importance of it. So what's so OK with that in mind, what's your retention been like this year? It was uh, funny enough, I've just come off a P&L call with our Amsterdam hotels. Um, and one of the things I was saying to, to our regional people director, you know, who looks after our Amsterdam hotels, um, we have an amazing hotel called Palitza and Kimpton De Witt out there. Um, and, and their retention rates um, you know, 25% turnover. I, I did the same. I did the same. And, and you know, Yako's a great guy. Um, and he's like, you know, we want to improve upon that. And I said, you like Yako. I just, I think you just need to pause. <laughs> and I talked about the start of the year and I talked about, you know, the, the retention uh, rates. Um, and I said, you know, that's something to celebrate. 25% in this day and age is a really great, I said, if, yeah. if we got that across all of our hotels, I'd be a happy guy, you know, as in, um, as well, you know, um, our, our retention in the US is very, very good. It's actually lower than that as well. Our biggest challenge has been London, funny enough. Right. Um, and again, I think that's down to a number of different things. You know, you, you open a new hotel, people want to do the opening. As much as you ever try to do an opening and you think everything, you know, you've got it right. You are in that zone now where it's like, we need to probably tweak this and do that. Um, so you have people that come for the opening, then want to move on. Um, and, and also it's coupled with as well, you know, anyone that sort of is in London at the moment, the amount of vacancies, you know, you look at the, you look at the caterer, you know, mm -hmm. data that shows the amount of jobs and availability. It just means that you've not necessarily got that loyalty anymore that potentially you could. So you've got to work well on learning and development and you've got to work well on how you engage and communicate with your employees. That that for me is the big area you know, um, that, that a lot of sort of industries uh, are talking about, not just within hospitality at the moment, but some of the things that that, that I also go to and, and some of my contacts in other industries as well. It's, it's going to be a huge focus even more, especially for the UK when it comes to re recruitment and retention, I think. All right. Um, have you found uh, in team members a greater need for wellbeing programmes at Law Group? Um, have you uh, created new ones? Have you expanded what you already have? Tell me about what you've been doing in that regard. So we we, we created uh, for our two London hotels about two years ago, you know, a director um, of ESG. Um, 
And the reason why we created that position was to add that level of focus on, you know, the well-being aspect of it, you know, social governance, doing the right thing, you know, and, you know, law group is still a work in progress. You know, it's a little bit like working for a startup and that's why I love what, what we do here, but with a bit of structure behind it. And, and for us, um, we sort of look at everything long term. So that investment in a dedicated role like that just for two hotels adds a lot of value and shows how serious we are about you know, well-being and sustainability. And, and you know, quite quite candidly, we we're only starting to put those types of plans in place, which will benefit as it is in future. But one of the things, it's really interesting you mentioned that as a, as a topic, because when we opened 100 Shoreditch, I was quite fortunate enough where I went and sat in some of the, the pre-opening training sessions that learned development and, and the, you know, the people teams were doing there. And um, I asked for a little bit of analysis on, on sort of, you know, 30, 60, 90 days in, you know, what, what, what sort of people were, were, were enjoying and, and what they felt was most important. And guess what came out? Number one, you know, you got it. Well-being, wellness, sustainability. They thought that was really important. That was sort of, you know, the thing that they enjoyed the most in the training as well. And, and where, you know, we used to think about career development, you know, that's number one and pay and benefits. What you've actually seen is that well-being, work-life balance, you know, um, you know, quality of life and living it's crept more to the top than pay your career growth. And that's what we've seen in the data um, at the moment. So there's a huge level of focus on that. I can't sit here today and say, you know, we're the best of the best at that because we're not, you know, we were a work in progress and we know it's a focus area, but there's definitely, say, the proof's in the pudding, right? There's the investment that's going into these roles, you know, to to, to, to have longer term sort of benefits, hopefully for as a group. Okay, John, what, what have you learned that you didn't know before and what trends do you see em emerging for this coming year what should people be looking out for yeah so so answer the first part of the question the the key learnings and, and funny enough we talked about this at, at sort of a cipd senior round table a few months ago uh, with peter cheese the, the ceo i think the key learnings um for me like like many others is the the, the levels of unpredictability um that we've seen over the last two to three years are not going to go away so you've got to plan for unpredictability because you know I, I remember the days when you know it was going into budgeting season let's have three or four percent on you know the top line and everything was stable those days are long gone i don't think they're going to come back for a number of years yet with you know looking at sort of potentially what's going on in the world at the moment and potentially especially you know recession coming down there so uh, I think one of my key learnings is whenever you're sort of building business plans and strategies is you can't just have one. You've got to have two or three different things and be able to be very flexible, be able to pivot quickly uh, and just build teams around you that, that can move at pace. Um, I think, you know, that's been my sort of key learnings because where we have been successful in in our hotels is where the teams have been able to change direction very quickly and put plans and, and have those people in place. I think the second part of the question um, in regards to sort of the future, um, it's something that that I'm, I'm going to relate this just to the UK specifically first, yes. if that's OK. Yeah. I think one of the things that is going to be more important than ever in the next five years plus with the Brexit effects, the, the demand for talent within hospitality is the use of technology. And when I say the use of technology, I mean that in a couple of different ways. And some of the things that we're looking at at Law Group is we've got to face facts. The labour pool that we have today is not sufficient 
to supply the demand for the UK for hospitality. And that's why we've got this, this, this movement of talent around. So we're kind of having a look at where are the gaps and what types of things can we use technology for where we may have been sort of, you know, um, struggling to, to, to find those people or how can we use technology to speed service up to help our employees um, as well. And it's little things, you know, it's little things like, you know, where you've got a very, very busy restaurant and you've, you know, you're, um, you know, you, you've got big turnover of, of guests in there, having those sort of apps that where people rather than wait for the bill, they can, you know, they can, you know, they can scan and pay. Not necessarily they can scan an order if they want, but, you you know, we, we kind of play in that luxury lifestyle space. You still want that people element. But little things like that for me and using technology as enabler are going to be so important in recruitment to address, let's call it the, the gap um, of sort of talent. But also on the other side as well, engaging, communicating and giving your current employees the resources and tools through technology that really allows them to feel connected to the business, either that direct sort of communication where they can see the CEO communicating to them, whether it's accessing learning and development, whether it's also seeing the job opportunities and new career opportunities that are available in the organization. So using technology in a really smart way that tackles the, let's call it the, the labor gap, but also the engagement and the learning development. And that, that's kind of, that would be my sort of like future chip tip for recruitment to help recruitment sort of in, in two different buckets. And it's something that that's going to form part of my strategy, to be honest, for, for the group for the next two to three years. Fabulous. That's fantastic, John. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for joining us. You've um, you've been brilliant and I would love to be able to catch up with you in 2023 to find out where you are, how things are going and, 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 uh, and join us for another episode next year. Listen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and, and you know, and, and you guys keep doing some great things for the industry as well. So, uh, you know, let's put a date in the diary in summer. Hopefully we'll have a warm summer and then we'll see each other and, and maybe do this again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Lance. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Recruiting in Hospitality from Caterer.com. We've got plenty more great editions coming up in the new year. So please, wherever you get your podcasts, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at caterer.com, that's caterer, D-O-T-C-O-M, likewise on Instagram. Follow us on LinkedIn. We're also on Facebook. I'm Lance Lockner-Ryan. Thanks for listening.